Has the world gone crazy? Life is difficult. When you need help, where do you turn? Welcome to Christian Impact, impacting your life with spiritual truth. I am Dr. Kelly Blanton, and I'm sharing practical truths in the Bible that can truly change your life. Today is November 2nd, 2022. Today we continue our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom. This is Lesson 43, Spiritual and Natural Realms. As we have just came off, the holiday of Halloween. There are many Christians who consider this an occultic holiday and do not celebrate. This talk is not about Halloween, but much of the United States and many other countries around the world celebrate a holiday that in effect is dedicated to a spiritual realm. Maybe not a godly spiritual realm, but a spiritual realm nonetheless, one that celebrates death and the demonic, witchcraft, and the occult. And so, in saying this, we understand that most of the world believes in a spiritual realm. But most do not understand how the spiritual realm and the natural realm exist, or should I say, coexist, because both realms exist together simultaneously. They're not separate and apart from each other. They live together simultaneously. And we have to understand that it's as, as if there's a veil that exists between the reality of the things that are spiritual and the reality of the natural things. And to experience one from the other, you must move through this veil. Now, those of you that know your Bible well, you understand that in the original temple, there was a veil, a curtain that was set up between the Holy of Holies and the rest of the priest or mankind. There was a separation. And there's the same separation that exists today between the spiritual realm and the natural realm. Now, in previous series, we've talked about hearing God's voice and the importance of that. And we talked about what it is you need to do to tune in to his voice. It is a skill that can be taught. You can be trained in how to hear God's voice. It's not a mystical thing. People who want you to believe it's mysticism is the same type of people that are attracted to the occult. Uh, that's what the enemy wants to give you is mysticism, secret knowledge. Uh, hearing the voice of God is not supposed to be a secret. It's not something the Lord wants hidden from us. And therefore, if it's not something that he is hiding or keeping from us, then we have to ask, why can't everyone do it? And it boils down to, are you willing and are you willing to learn? All of us learn a language. When you're a baby, you listen and you learn a language. You have to learn 
the voice of your parents. You have to learn the language. And as little babies and as children, we do that. And then some are even adept. They become bilingual. Their parents speak two languages. Or I remember meeting someone in my life as a childhood that was fluent in eight different languages. Uh, They came from Greece. They married an Italian. They lived in multiple countries and had children in multiple countries throughout Europe. They were living in the United States, and they spoke many, many languages. English was not their best, but you could have fooled me as a child. I thought they spoke good English, maybe with an accent, but I, I believe they spoke good English. And so I share this because that's a natural phenomenon, but it's also demonstrating something that can happen in the spiritual. You, you can be trained. Now, we're not going to talk about that. That was in an earlier lesson. But I refer back to that because when you're turning into the voice of God, when you're turning into that spiritual dimension and you go through those things, it's we use the example of like a radio antenna, like a radio in your car. You're, you're trying to tune in to the frequency. And if you don't keep your eyes upon Jesus, if you're not focused on Jesus, then you will turn into something else. And it's that tuning in is that reaching through the veil. And there's a lot of debate about some of these subjects, a lot of confusion among Christians and denominations about this. But I want to say this, that without the baptism or the filling of the Holy Spirit, you cannot really experience the other side of that realm. Now, I almost want to put a little asterisk by this. When I say experiences, I'm talking about experiencing what God has for us. Um, the occult will twist that. You don't need the Holy Spirit to experience demonic activity. You don't need the Holy Spirit to experience these things. But likewise, if you reach out across this, if you try to experience the spiritual realm without the Holy Spirit, there is nothing but demonic activity that awaits you. And this demonic activity is lying, deceptive, and will fool you at all costs. They don't care what story they give you as long as it's a story that you believe. And they know you very well. And so that's why a Christian that plays with Ouija boards or plays with tarot cards or or, or plays with whatever things of the occult. Or I've met uh, many Hindus from India that don't believe in the spiritual realm the way a Christian would. They don't necessarily even believe in demons the way a Christian does. They think they can talk to ancestors and, and good spirits. And it their worldview doesn't allow them to believe that every voice they will hear will be evil and deceptive. But it is. Apart from the Lord and his guidance and his empowering, there is nothing that awaits a natural lost person except trouble. And even a Christian that reaches across Without the Lord, you're reaching across in disobedience. It is a sin, and there is nothing left for you but demonic things that await you. Now, in saying that, it is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm not talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit when you become a Christian and the Holy Spirit indwells in you. I'm talking about the baptism where the power of God comes upon you and overshadows you. You must have the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what empowers and directs a believer. 
uh, he is the one that will direct you into the goodness, the righteousness, uh, the, the, the fulfillment of God's plans. And so when you want to experience this reality, what God has for you, you, you have to start with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus told his apostles to go and wait for him in Jerusalem until the Spirit came upon them. And no, this wasn't salvation in the indwelling, because in John chapter 21, Jesus breathed on his disciples in the room and said, receive the Holy Spirit. And they were filled with the Spirit. That's in John chapter 21. Then later he tells them to go and wait in Jerusalem for the Holy Spirit. Now, why would he tell them to go wait if he just breathed upon them? By the way, that word breathe in context of what the meaning was, it was written in Greek, but the, the meaning in the context was the same as in Genesis 1 when God breathed upon Adam when he made him out of dirt and he breathed life into him. See, Jesus breathed life on his disciples in John chapter 21. They became born again. They were spiritually indwelt by the Spirit. They were new creations. They were they were changed. They were no longer dead in their sin, but they, they received forgiveness and the infilling of the Spirit. But they still needed to wait for the baptism of the Spirit. That's why he had to leave. And his Spirit, his presence, Coming to us is bringing this reality, this ability to experience Him from the heavenlies here on earth. It's like the prayers that we pray, such as when Jesus said, on earth as it is in heaven. He prayed that, your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. And So we need to understand why we need the Holy Spirit, why we need the baptism. Obviously, those of us from Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled backgrounds, we understand that the gifts themselves, the supernatural gifts, are available to be experienced because of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And the reality is, is that the basis of ministry from God to man is based upon the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, the baptism of the Spirit. Um, It requires that we allow the Spirit to operate in us in this way. And I say allow because He's not going to force that. There are some people that are so far into the sovereignty of God, they, they think that it doesn't matter what you want, God's going to do whatever. That's not true. Because if it is, then God would be guilty for all the crime on the planet because he can just make it happen. But he allows, God allows us to make decisions and he allows us in making those decisions to quote unquote have our way. I know that's sort of scary. So if we want God to move in our lives, He allows us to make that decision to allow him into our lives. So we have to want God to move in our lives in such a way. And in doing so with us saying, Lord, I submit to you. I bow my will. Come Holy Spirit and fill me. You want the, you want the baptism. And, and, and God does that. He's, he's, I don't want to say a gentleman. Some people use that thing. He's a gentleman. He won't do it. But it says in Luke chapter 11, I like verses 11, he's, Jesus is teaching and, and says, if, if your son asks you for bread, will you give him a scorpion? 
And when you, will you give him bad gifts? Well, no. And, and then he goes on to say, if you, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, how much more will your father in heaven give him? And so <clears throat> if you to be filled or to be baptized with the Holy Spirit, it's just as simple as asking. It's no different than salvation. You, you come before Jesus, you bow the knee, you ask for forgiveness, you believe, you confess with your mouth, you're saved. Your faith and your asking that that saves you. you you know god wants you to ask for this same way with receiving the holy spirit the baptism of the holy spirit you just need to bow the knee say i don't want to be in charge and ask and so but in understanding this the first the first way we understand crossing the veil so to speak and experiencing this involves our tongues meantime the scriptures it says that the the tongue has been given the power of life and death um, so to cross the veil, we have to understand that it involves speaking and all Christians understand this because we pray and we understand that when we pray, God hears us. And then we see we're speaking from a natural realm and it's crossing over into a spiritual realm. And so prayer is the first point of doing that. We have to open our mouth and we have to understand that God is somehow through the way he's created things, put a power within our tongue to, to cross over. Likewise, that's how come the enemy, Satan, his demons, his fallen angels, can speak to us. They Their voices can be heard by us the same as we can hear God's voice. And because most people don't know how to hear God's voice, they don't understand the enemy's voice when he speaks either. Um, as far as we know, it's just one of the many, many voices you hear in your head. We, we have our voice then our voice, our flesh has a voice within our head. The enemy has a voice. We have lots of voices. No, we're not schizophrenic. And these voices aren't the same as me speaking to you in this microphone. Sometimes people try to describe it as an intuition or just, I don't know. I just, I just, I just know this, this inspiration, this image, this, it, there's many different ways to try and describe it. But the, the thing is, it's something that comes out of your spirit into your mind. And because of this, we have to understand that um, this brings us to aspects of spiritual warfare, that we have to wage war against Satan, his demons, the powers of darkness, because they are crossing over. And because of that, we have to be aware of the spiritual fight. And obviously, the first thing I want to get into in this, this is not a spiritual warfare lesson, but in talking about natural and spiritual realms, that there are conditions for the enemy to move based upon our decisions and actions. In other words, <clears throat> the powers of darkness are given opportunity to do their work based upon us, mankind. What do we allow him to? To do. You see, sin, which is what we do contrary to the, the will of God, whether in attitude or action, this action provided by us gives our enemy, the devil, legal right, gives him a legal license to attack and torment us as Christians. Now, if you're not a Christian, uh, the enemy has legal right to you already. But as a Christian, Someone that has given their life to Jesus, 
the enemy is not supposed to be able to touch us, and yet he often does, and that's because of our actions. We give him those rights. Likewise, when we repent before God, when we come and we confess our sins, when we repent, um, this repentance removes that license for the enemy to attack us. That's why we should have a healthy life where we come before the Lord. As soon as I realize I've done something wrong, when the Holy Spirit brings that to my mind, I should immediately take it to God because I'm revoking the enemy's right to attack me. So when you think about it, unforgiveness gives the enemy legal right to attack you and your disobedience gives the enemy legal right to attack you. Now I want to talk about disobedience a little bit. Oh man, I know this sounds like a hellfire and brimstone message, but I'm not trying to be, I'm trying to be informative. But James chapter four, verse 17 says, therefore to him who knows to do good and does not do it to him, it is sin. Do we understand that sometimes we think sins is, well, I'm, I'm going out and doing these bad things. Sometimes it's just us watching evil happen around us and us refusing to be involved. We see, we see someone get hurt or robbed and we turn our backs and go the other way. We see this on YouTube. People beating up other people and instead of anyone helping, they just pull out a camera and film it and laugh. The word says that if you know to do good and don't do it, it is a sin. And God's people, especially here in the United States, <clears throat> our country is in such a critical moment and is in a balance and we, we can almost see the abyss coming. And I hear people go, how do we get to this point? Listen, when you know what good to do and you don't do anything about it, when I hear Christians say, I don't want to be involved in politics, when you see the evil and you don't do anything, it is a sin. And we've allowed evil to come into our country and under the guise of liberty and well, you can do whatever you want to. You know the satanic Bible says let people do whatever they want. Um, it, 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 we, we've allowed sin to live and flourish and because of that the enemy has got legal right to decimate. Deuteronomy 28.15 it says, But it shall come to pass if you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments and his statutes which I command you today that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Now I want to point out something there. It says, If you do not obey the voice of the Lord your God See, many times when I read this and I say, what's the deal here? People talk about, well, if we don't obey the commands. It's more about if you don't obey the voice of the Lord. See, you've got to hear the voice. You have to interact on that level of crossing the veil. You have to interact with the spiritual realm. You have to hear the voice of God. Because an empty, because if you don't, it's just an empty command. It's just words on a piece of paper, and it doesn't mean anything. And, and we have Christians and we have people today that... These things don't really mean anything. I go to church. I pay my tithe. I'm a good person. God will deal with me. And, and we do that. We, But we're not hearing the voice of God. And if we don't hear the voice of God, it is impossible to obey the voice of God. You know, Jesus said, if you love me, you keep my commandments. That doesn't mean that um, if I keep his commandments, I love him. See, we want to make these all about what we do. Oh, I'm going to do the commandments, therefore I'm good enough. And you see, we're trying to fulfill the law. No one can fulfill the law. The law does not save us. Fulfilling commandments do not save us. What saves us is loving the Lord. 
because I love the Lord, because I put a relationship with the Lord, because I trust him to save me, because I believe in him, I have faith in him. That causes me to love him. I love the Lord because I love him. I listen to his voice. And when he tells me something, I obey it because I love him. And so that's why we need to hear. But if we don't obey the voice, if we don't hear the voice, we can't obey. So let's look at that curse. All these curses will come upon you. The idea of a curse is that a curse is actually the word that, that means giving the enemy legal right. Curse is giving the enemy legal right. When we, I'm going to throw curses at you. You're giving the legal right of the enemy to work. See, God doesn't do evil to us. We allow the enemy to do evil to us. God allows the enemy to do evil to us. That is a curse. Um, and so unforgiveness and disobedience opens up a doorway for curses. We allow the enemy, we give the enemy license to attack us. You know, what are some ways that we do licenses? Well, um, you know, maybe the iniquities of our fathers, you know, those generational curses, those generational sins that can be passed down. Spoken words, we're using our tongue to speak forth death. You know, judgment, where we judge people. And I'm not talking about you look at evil and you go, that's evil. I'm talking about when you look at someone and you're making judgments for like, you know, I hope they burn for eternity. You know, um, uh, improper vows. Uh, when I mean proper vows, if you're saying, I'll never forgive someone. You just made a vow of unforgiveness. Um, occultic involvement. Improper soul ties. There are many of these things. We actually cover this. We have a discipleship series when we disciple people. We go through a whole list of these and, 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 and how you break free of these. And by the way, when I say break free, it's not difficult. A quick summary, confession and repentance uh, breaks you free. But these are things that give the enemy license to attack you. And when you give the enemy license to attack or the enemy wants to get licensed, you have to understand that he brings strong delusions. He lies. The enemy is a liar. And he will bring strong delusions whenever he can. And his goal is to cause spiritual blindness. He wants to make you blind. That's why so much of him is about darkness, deception, delusion. He wants to cloud the minds and make us captive to him. Captive from knowing the truth, from seeking the truth. You know, there are many people that are entrapped by, quote-unquote, pharmakia. Pharmakia is a Greek word, and many times that Greek word is translated as witchcraft in the Bible. Um, but pharmakia is also, talks about, it, mean, it can mean drugs, alcohol, cult, witchcraft. That's what pharmakia means. And pharmakia, so, and I know there are so many Christians today, you are trapped in alcoholism. And I see Christians in many, many churches that are becoming trapped and enslaved by alcoholism. And they use this poor excuse, well, Jesus turned water into wine. And 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 Paul told Timothy, have a little wine for your stomach. And, and therefore, there's nothing wrong with drinking. Listen, the Bible is clear, New Testament and Old Testament, that drunkenness is not acceptable. You cannot enter the kingdom of God with drunkenness. Um no, does that mean if you drank a glass, you're going to go to hell? No, it means if you're drunken, you will. This drunkenness is the sin. If, if you want to drink a beer because you had a hard day at work and you drink a beer and you do it to receive that buzz, you do that to receive comfort, 
I know a lot of women, they like to drink wine because it comforts them. Listen, you're, you're receiving the comfort and the buzz because you don't trust God. That is disobedience. And, and that's the sin. That is the sin. You, you've made your God the liquid. And so also to understand, and I've had a lot of people try to refute me on this and, and it's, it's stupid. The, the wine in the Old Testament from thousands of years ago in biblical times was not of the same alcoholic consistency it is today. I didn't say they didn't have alcoholic wine. I'm saying the common wine that you see is not. You know why? Number one, water was scarce. That's why they didn't bathe in water. They used oils to bathe in. They used lotions to bathe in because there's not a lot of water. Only the extreme rich would, you know, bathe in water. Um, you know, and then that's why the Jews had laws regarding how you bathe in a river. Uh, because they didn't want you to pollute drinking water. And so there, there's a lot of things with that. So it wasn't like they had years and years and years to ferment this wine. They didn't have processing plants to process the alcohol in this. Um, and so if you don't believe me, take your grape juice and try to ferment it yourself and see how long it takes and how, how, how great it is. But I, di- I digress. Forgive me. I digress. But the point is that we become entrapped by alcoholism. We've entrapped ourselves by drugs. We've become addicted to these things. And see, that addiction is a spiritual blindness. It's the same blindness that gets into the, gets you into the occult. You know, I was in, into the occult. I was blinded by it and addicted to it in ways. And when you become addicted, when you become blinded, the enemy will send demons to torment. He sends demons to torment. Sometimes they can be violent. Sometimes uh, they torment you in other ways. Um, But for Christians, I want you to understand, most of the time he doesn't send a violent demon to torment you. When you become entrapped, he will send you a religious spirit. You're going to get a demon that is going to masquerade like an angel of light. He's going to put on a, a costume. And when you have this demon upon you in your life, when you're when you're getting tormented by a religious spirit, um, let me tell you some of the signs. You like to debate. You like to stir up strife. You gossip. You're part of gossiping. You backbite. You like to accuse people. You're an accuser. Condemnation. You feel good when someone is condemned. You end up with secret lust. You end up in pornography, manipulation, lying. You like to lie a lot. You lie and you don't even know why you lie. Um, all that stuff is this hidden thing behind a mask of light. And that's what we become. We become these hidden things behind a mask of light. We dress up on Sundays. We go to church and smile. But the rest of the week, we're living a different life. And all of this different life that's doing this addiction, these Spiritual blindness is creating doubt and unbelief in your life that this walk with Jesus is really the truth. But you know, Jesus said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. This is Luke 4.18, by the way. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those I mean, that's what Jesus has come for. He's come to set us free, to deliver us that are captives, and give sight to the blind, not just the physically blind, but the spiritually blind, so that we can see what's going on. And when you are spiritually blind, you have to understand is that you need another spiritual person to come and help you. 
see another person is needed to free us from spiritual blindness and darkness. We cannot see clearly because of the work of spiritual blindness or darkness. We will continue to experience doubt, unbelief, confusion. We will continue in reckless habits. Um, you may feel it necessary to try to defend yourself, to defend your beliefs. You want to enter into debates on why this is all okay, but it's because you're blind and you're thrashing. And once you realize you're blind and thrashing, you seek out help. See, James 5.16 says, Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective prayer of a righteous man avails much. Now, this I know this is where the Catholics like to get their go confess to a priest, but this doesn't say go confess to a priest. This says that we should confess to one another. See, you go to another person and you say, man, I've, I'm feeling blind. I'm feeling lost. I'm feeling, and you ask for prayer. And if they're a spiritual person, if this is a person that's walking with God, um, their prayers are effective. They avail much. They can pray for you and, and you can receive healing and deliverance from the spiritual blindness. You know, why, why do you receive healing and deliverance? Let me tell you why. Matthew 18, 18 through 20. Jesus is teaching and says, assuredly, I say to you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, I say to you that if two of you agree on earth concerning anything that they ask, it will be done for them by my father in heaven. For where two or three are gathered together in my name, I am there in the midst of them. You see, when you're spiritually blind and so you go to another believer and you say, help me, there are two of you together. So Jesus is now there. See, Jesus is in us. See, we've been baptized by the Holy Spirit. The power of God is upon us. Jesus is indwelling in us. And you go to that person that, that, that has that and you say you need help and suddenly Jesus in him when he begins praying, and he's he, he's a believer that 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 has been empowered by the Lord. The Lord is walking with them. Jesus is there in the midst of the two of you together, and suddenly he reaches out and touches you. It's not just him, but it's Jesus touching you, and you're agreeing together that this is blindness. And see, Jesus came to what to heal those who are blind, to set captives free, and that's why the prayer avails much because suddenly healing power of God can move. The spiritual realm is now breaking through to the natural realm and healing is possible. Not for just physical blindness, but for the spiritual blindness, for the thing that put you into that situation to begin with. So when you find yourself blind and in darkness, when you realize the enemy is doing work on you, when you're suffering doubt and unbelief and confusion, when things aren't going right and you see yourself, I'm, I'm getting angry, I'm, um, I, 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 I have these Feelings I can't control, and you go to someone and, and to, to, to receive this healing. So you have to understand that the decision to repent is the responsibility of the individual once they see their need. In other words, you have to see your need, and you have to understand that it is your responsibility to repent. I think that's one problem with the church is that we have sometimes wanted to take the responsibility upon ourselves to make people repent. And that's not our responsibility. It's the responsibility of the people. We need to take God's message of love and forgiveness to people. But they also need to understand they need to see their need to repent. They need to do that. Because if they don't repent, if they don't come to the Lord, we can't force repentance onto people. 
They have to see their need. And when they see their need and they come, they can receive healing. They can receive forgiveness. They can receive deliverance. And you see, when that in that Matthew 18, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. There we are, the crossing over. You see, when we here in the natural realm, we can bound up things spiritually by what? Through the Holy Spirit and speaking forth God's word. We speak forth God's word. James 4, 7, 8 says, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. See, many times when we get in sin, we want to run away from God. We want to hide from God. That's what the, see, that's what the enemy is doing. He's causing the spiritual blindness to come upon you that you want to run. You want to hide. But it's in that moment that you want to draw, the truth is you need to draw near to God. Because when you draw near to God, he draws near to you. And in doing so, we receive freedom so that we can cleanse our hands. We can purify our hearts because of the work of the Spirit of God. And that's how we resist the devil. You want to resist the devil is not about standing up and, and yelling at the devil, trying to tell him how good you are. Resisting the devil is called going to God. You want to resist the devil? Draw near to God. That's how you resist the devil. By drawing near to the Lord, the Holy Spirit, the presence of the Spirit is what drives the enemy away. Galatians five sixteen. Uh, walk in the spirit and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh if we live in the spirit let us also walk in the spirit you see we is this our walking with god that keeps us free from the enemy it's not how well we quote unquote can put up a fight and talk big it's about walking with jesus it's about drawing near to the lord um he is the one that that brings that so the spiritual realm is greater than the natural realm. So the work done in the spiritual realm will manifest in time into this natural realm. If you don't believe that, go back and listen to most of the series, uh, please. Um, but it's obvious if the spiritual realm wasn't greater, then we wouldn't have issues with sin and being held captive and, and blindness. Um the spiritual realm is greater than this natural realm, but we are deceived into thinking this natural realm is all there is, or it's, it's greater than the spiritual realm. The natural realm is totally subservient to the spiritual realm. And so we need to do work in the spiritual realm. Jesus did his work there, and it manifested here in the natural realm. And that's what we need to do. So that means that we need to hear and see what God is doing. That's why we need to draw near to him. That's why we need to listen for his voice. That's why we need to read and pray a Bible. Uh, those things don't save us, but it allows us to get to know, to have a relationship with God, to see and hear what he is doing so we can get in alignment where we can follow him and we can begin to flow with him. And as we flow and follow him, that we can begin to, to speak his will. Because we, we can see and hear what he's doing, and so we can we can speak that forth. And as we do that, we're doing that in the authority of Jesus, because Jesus has called us to speak forth his will. He wants us to go in and make disciples of all nations. And so, in doing so, what happens is that puts us 
in this position of being ministers of reconciliation. And so we can now speak into the conditions, the disorders, the diseases, uh, whatever demon or storm a person is going through. Um, we can, we can speak uh, to them in the name of Jesus and, and see that situation come in alignment with the will and word of God. You have to speak out this stuff. Now, I'm not saying name and claim it, but you have to speak out the truth. You have to speak that out. You speak that out to break the darkness. You have to speak forth light and life to break forth. Um, you have to tell people the truth about the Lord and the gospel. And in doing so, there's a spiritual power of the Spirit of God from His authority by His divine being that is released so that people can see truth. So that conditions can change. You know, Romans 10, 17 says, So faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. We have to speak forth God's word. That means spending time with God, uh, listening to his voice, reading his word, and seeing his will. And this brings forth a level of faith that can help us, that can help us to walk through life and become the overcomers God has called us to be. So the work and power of God is activated by our faith in drawing near to him. Father, I thank you, Lord, that we've had a moment to talk. We talked a little bit about natural and spiritual realms in walking with you, God. And in a season that likes to celebrate magic and witches and the occult, God, I pray that we would be bold to shine forth our light, God, that we would speak forth the truth, that we would see this spiritual blindness that is put on so much people in our nation, both Christians and non-Christians, Lord, that you would shine your light, God, and that you would break forth, that you would heal them of blindness, Lord, that you would set captives free, God, that you would help those that are in bondage to a pharmacia, whether it's drugs or alcohol or pornography, God, that you would begin to break forth, God, into the life, that you would set them free to experience your love and your forgiveness, God, the, the new creation they can be, the new life that they can have in you, God. Father, I thank you, Lord, that you sent your Holy Spirit to empower us. Help us to walk in your spirit, God, to not fulfill our lust, God, but to fulfill your will, God, your word, your plan in our lives, God. Father, I thank you for these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our lesson in our series, Chronicles of the Kingdom. You can always check out the rest of the series at our website, www.christianimpact.net. You can also see different platforms that we are on, um, podcast or video style. And until next time, God bless.